What's going on, everyone? This is Joe, your host for the Nurseology Podcast, coming at you with episode two of our Pathophysiology series. Now, if this is your first podcast with us, welcome. Welcome to the podcast and welcome to the series. We are very excited to work through this series as we explore the world of pathophysiology from basic to advanced regarding what you're going to see in the nursing field. Now, our goal with this podcast is to provide nursing students and practicing nurses with some easily digestible content that's going to allow you to grow in new areas if you're a student and hopefully sharpen your skill and thought process even if you're a practicing nurse. We are all continuously learning as medicine's an ever-changing field, and if we aren't striving to grow, we'll inevitably be left behind by the changing times. Now, today's episode is going to cover cellular injury, including reversible and irreversible cell injury, some of the mechanisms of cell injury, as well as what happens to the cell once the cell injury becomes cell death. If you haven't heard the first episode on cellular adaptation, we encourage you to go back and listen to that as some of the information from episode one will be referenced in this episode. As always, we encourage feedback about our podcasts and our content, and we welcome recommendations for new podcasts. If you're in nursing school or you are a practicing nurse and you think of something that's going to add value to the community of nurses and nursing students, please let us know. We're happy to dig into that information and that research and provide the most up-to-date information on those topics. So without further ado, let's jump right in. Okay, let's talk cell injury on a basic level. So when the stimulus or stress that's experienced by a cell passes its threshold to compensate or adapt, the cell becomes injured. Now, cell injury can be reversible, but it's highly dependent on the extent of damage that that cell undergoes. Cell injury can also be caused by many different things like physical or chemical agents, as well as things like radiation or from biological agents such as bacteria and viruses. Now, let's talk about some terms for just a second. When a cell is injured to the point that the body recognizes it's no longer able to repair that cell, a process called apoptosis occurs. Now, this programmed cell death that the body initiates is a sort of pruning process for the body. It destroys the injured cell and digests and removes the cell debris to make room for healthy growth. Apoptosis plays a vital role in tissue repair, cancer prevention, and immune defense as a result. So like we talked about already, some cell injury is reversible. Uh, and this is going to include things like cellular accumulations or swelling, like uh, edema. Intracellular accumulations can be accumulations of normal intracellular substances. It can be from abnormal substances as a result of faulty metabolism or synthesis. Or it can be a result of accumulations of pigments or particles that the cell is unable to degrade. And the main problem with this edema and cell injury in general is the inadequate blood flow that follows the swelling. When cells receive inadequate blood flow, they don't receive the essential nutrients in O2 or oxygen required for life. So they become ischemic. Now, like we talked about in episode one, ischemia is a lack of oxygen on a cellular level that leads to further cell injury, and if not resolved, cell death. That lack of oxygen also leads to what is known as lactic acidosis, which is a term that's going to be important here in just a minute. So ischemia is reversible. That is, if oxygen supply is restored to the affected area, it will recover. However, if the oxygen supply is not restored in time, the cell will become necrotic or essentially dead. And necrosis is irreversible. 
Necrosis can take many pathways and can manifest differently depending on where that cell originates. So then, let's talk necrosis. There are several different types of necrosis based on the cell's origin. First, we have liquefaction necrosis. Now, liquefaction necrosis occurs when harsh enzymes literally liquefy the dying cells. Now, we most often see this in the brain as there's a heavy supply of those specific enzymes in the brain. The second type that we're going to talk about is caches necrosis, which comes about when the necrotic cells disintegrate but leave behind cellular debris that stays on location for months or even years. This form of necrosis takes a cottage cheese-like appearance and is most commonly seen in patients with active tuberculosis. So we'll see this a lot in lung tissue. And then of course there's fat necrosis, which occurs when triglycerides are broken down into free fatty acids by lipase enzymes, which then combine with magnesium, sodium, and calcium to form soaps. Yes, soaps. These soaps give the type of necrosis an opaque, chalky appearance. Which brings us to coagulative necrosis. Now, coagulative necrosis comes from that lack of blood flow that we talked about earlier. When the blood flow is decreased, uh, and more substantially, the oxygen delivery that comes with that blood flow, lactic acid begins to form and cause lactic acidosis, like we referenced earlier. This acidic environment causes the cell's enzymes to denature and causes further cell death and bacterial invasion that can lead to gangrene, which we're going to talk about shortly. And this type of necrosis is most commonly seen in the heart, the kidneys, and the adrenal glands, but can be seen in the extremities as well as other locations. When we see coagulative necrosis in the extremities, it's generally in the form of gangrene. So let's talk about gangrene. There are three general forms of gangrene, dry gangrene, wet gangrene, and then gas gangrene. Now, gas gangrene is technically a type of wet gangrene, but we're going to talk about that. So dry gangrene occurs when the presence of bacteria is minimal, but the skin has this dry, dark brown or black appearance. Now, wet gangrene occurs with liquefaction necrosis, where extensive damage from bacteria and white blood cells produces a liquid wound. Now, this can occur in organs like the brain as well as the extremities. So we referenced earlier that generally speaking, we see that liquefaction necrosis uh, in the brain, but we do also see it in the extremities, but generally we reference it as gangrene and not uh, explicitly liquefaction necrosis. Now, gas gangrene, which is technically a type of wet gangrene, developed due to the presence of clostridium, which is an anaerobic bacterium, Okay, and this is the most serious type of gangrene due to its high potential to be fatal. The bacterium releases toxins that destroy surrounding cells as well, so it spreads super rapidly. Now, this form of gangrene will cause bubbles to form on the tissue surface uh, just underneath the skin. And again, gas gangrene is, is the most acute type of gangrene. It's the most serious type. So that's it for now. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We always hope to add value in any way that we can. So feel free to reach out if you need anything from us. We're a team of nurses and nursing students just looking to add value and change the way that we see nursing school and the learning process. So we use tons of different resources uh, to make sure that our content's the most accurate as possible. And a full list of cited resources can be found on our website uh, or our main podcast sites. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you on the next episode.